continuing through Matthew here. And last week, as I, as I mentioned last week, um, this, this chapter of Matthew that we are in right now, this chapter 13, is a unique chapter. We talked about it's the chapter where Jesus really begins spending most of his time teaching in parables. Okay, he starts teaching in a different way than his earthly ministry here. Uh, we've seen that Jesus' purpose for speaking in parables really was to help his listeners and to help us to really better understand what this, this whole idea, this whole concept of the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven like? How does it work? How does it function? How does it play itself out in the world and in our lives. And really the best way to understand this whole idea of the kingdom of heaven is to not, not so much to see it as a place. I think a lot of times we think of a kingdom as a place. Well, the kingdom of heaven, it's better that we see it really as a reign and really which can be summed up. And I've, we've said it a bunch of times, I've tweaked it a little bit this time, to really is it's the redemptive, saving reign and rule of God through Christ in the hearts and lives of those who submit to his authority. That's really what the kingdom of God is, the redemptive saving reign and rule of God through Christ in the hearts and lives of those who submit to his authority. And really all that goes along with that, all that comes because of that. Really in explaining this whole idea of the kingdom of heaven, the apostle Paul really helped, helped us to see how it kind of plays out in our life. When he said in Romans, he said, it's, kingdom of heaven is like living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So that's how the kingdom of heaven plays out, how becoming a follower of Jesus, it plays out in our lives. Now, along with helping us to better understand the, the different aspects of the kingdom of heaven, these parables that Jesus has been using, they also answer some pretty pressing spiritual questions. And that's what we've kind of been going through in these. We saw uh, two sermons ago, we looked at the parable of the sower. Okay, we looked at this very popular uh, uh, parable, and it really helped us to answer the question why the majority of people don't seem to want to have anything to do with Jesus. Why isn't this incredible message, why isn't it being embraced by everybody? And we saw that in the parable of the sower. Last week, we looked at the question, if God is such a loving and good God, why does he continue to allow so much evil and so much suffering in the world. We looked at that when we looked at the parable of the weeds. Well, this morning, we're going to see how Jesus uses the four remaining parables in this chapter 13 to answer another question that I believe is a question that's out there that people are asking. Really, the question is, what is it about following Jesus? What is it about following Jesus, or what is it about this kingdom of heaven that makes it worth surrendering my life to? Why should I do that? What is it about the kingdom? If I'm going to give my life to Jesus, like you're telling me, if I'm going to begin to follow him, am I going to embrace this kingdom of heaven like you're talking about? How can I be sure that it's worth it? How can I be sure it's worth it to give everything to this? So how can a person know for sure the kingdom of heaven is worth surrendering everything for? How can they know? Because that's what we're asking people to do. That's what Jesus is asking people to do, to give everything, surrender everything. So how can people know? How do we know that it's worth giving? Because I know if you're anything like me, I like to hold on to little bits of my own will and my own desires and not give everything. 
So this, these parables are going to help us um, with this. You know, a man whose life and writings had a huge impact on me when I was younger in my earlier years was a guy that many of you know. His name is Jim Elliott. Now, Jim Elliott uh, was a missionary to the Alka Indians in the Ecuadorian jungle, and at the age of t- only at the age of 28, he was actually killed, speared by the very people that he went to go share the message of the kingdom of heaven with. My wife and I, and my two oldest sons, back a long time ago, actually had the privilege of flying in a little biplane into and landing on a little mud airstrip in the village where. Uh, Jim Elliott was actually speared, and we swam in the river where the, the missionaries were actually killed, and we, we met some of the villagers. We actually met the chief of the tribe, who was actually at the time the young little girl that first came and met them uh, on the beach. Well, Jim Elliott, he was an amazing, amazing man. Um, and you can learn more about that if you want. You know, his, if, Has anybody read his, book, uh, his wife's book, Through Gates of Splendor? Anybody read? I mean, pfft, amazing. It had a radical, radical influence on my life. End of the Spear is the movie that came out that chronicled this whole thing. But it was Jim Elliott's commitment to being willing to surrender anything and everything throughout his life in order to experience all that the kingdom of heaven had to offer that made the biggest impression on me. I read his journals. Those have been published. So many things about him have been published. Yet his most famous quote, which clearly demonstrates his willingness to surrender everything in order to experience the kingdom of heaven, which really, this quote, you've probably heard it if you've been around Christian world at all. Uh, it's impacted millions of people. And this quote is, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I just want to stop here for a second. I want us to just stop. I mean, these are the quotes and stuff like that. We go over them, we skim over them so much. But I want you to just look at that quote for a second here. Just let that sink in. The meaning, the true meaning of that quote, of, that, of those words. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Wow, that is powerful. And this is how he lived his whole, it wasn't just about him when he went on the mission field. This is how he lived his whole life. What an influence that this guy was. It's interesting that later, along with a bunch of other missionaries, Jim's wife, Elizabeth Elliot, uh, with that exact same mindset, she actually returned to that very same village and proceeded to lead many of those villagers to salvation, including the very men that speared her husband to death. Wow. Do you think, do you, <laughs> I think it's fair to say that both Jim and Elizabeth Elliot believed that the kingdom of heaven was so valuable that it was worth giving everything for, right? You can see that it was worth surrendering everything I got to meet Elizabeth Elliot about 10, uh, no, a little more than that, years ago when she, towards the end of her life. And it's a, these, some of these, some people that have just opened up their life to just under, letting God just do whatever he wants. There's such an inspiration. I would encourage you to read and allow, read about these people. As you read the Bible and you're encouraged in your walk, go look for the lives of people, some of the great people in the past, the great people of faith. Not because we worship them, but because God's done some unique things through these people that can really be an inspiration to us at any stage of our life. 
doesn't matter where we are. So I just really want to in, uh, encourage that. So, so let's, let's start looking at these things. Now we're going to look at these four, last four parables in the chapter in this Matthew 13 and see what they have to tell us about the worth of surrendering everything in order to experience the kingdom of heaven. Now the first two parables are going, we're going to look at, help us to understand the value of the kingdom of heaven. The third one though, is going to kind of take us back what we talked about last week, talking about what's going to happen at the end of the age. And the fourth one concerns, how do we respond to all this? Okay, now that we know all this, what do we do? So let's start looking at it. Let's let's look at the first parable, which is in just the first verse we're going to look at, verse 44 of Matthew 13. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like. Remember, this is what it's like. He wants us to understand. So he's given us a picture. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, in the ancient world, um, where there was always a uh, threat of war, it was a very common practice to hide your valuables. You know, you didn't have a safe deposit box. Okay, so it was very common to go and hide your valuables in the ground. That way, if you needed to retreat or if you were captured or anything like that, your values would stay safe until hopefully your hopeful return. So that's what people would do. Now, the assumption is that this guy is either some hired hand uh, for this field, or for some reason, he's just simply digging in this field. The point is that this guy is just going about his daily business. He's just going about, okay, what do I do? I'm just doing my thing here, and he comes across this treasure. Now, right away, the man realizes, if I want to keep this, if I want to have this, claim this as legal ownership as mine, I'm going to have to own this field. I am going to have to buy this if I want that to happen. So he does. So he buys the field, and even though in order it, requ- and it requires to, him to sell everything he has, yet we see here for him, it was a pleasure. Look what it says. He does it with joy. I, he'll, he'll just sell everything he has so that he could have that field. Now, this treasure that he comes upon really symbolizes the kingdom of heaven, okay? This is what Jesus is trying to help us understand what it's like. Now, you got to understand, he's not talking about just people that go through the motions spiritually, or even people that claim to be Christians, or claim to be followers of Christ. What he's saying here is, these are people that truly allow God to reign and to rule in their hearts and in every area of their life, okay? These are the people that are experiencing the kingdom of heaven. I like what John Piper says about this. He says, the focus here is on the value of the kingdom, the worth, uh, the, the worth of having God ruling over you and for you over everything else. It's not hard to see why that is so valuable. If the, if the omnipotent, all-wise God is ruling over all things for your joy, get that, He rules in our life for all joy. Everything must be working for your good, no matter how painful. And in the end, God will triumph over all evil and all pain. So the kingdom is a treasure. The kingdom is a treasure. Now, here's the point. The point here. It's not that this man bought into salvation, not that he bought his way into the kingdom of God. That's not the point here. 
We know that we are saved by grace through faith alone. We know that, okay? There's nothing we can do to earn salvation. The point here is that once someone, once we obtain the knowledge and the understanding of really who Jesus is and what the kingdom of heaven represents, we realize that nothing can possibly compare to its value. Nothing can compare. It's a treasure so incredibly precious that the one who obtains it and understands it is willing to surrender anything, surrender everything in order to experience it. Listen to what the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, he gave us a little perspective on this. He said this, he says, indeed, I count it, I count everything as loss because of surpassing worth of what? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish or dung in order that I may gain Christ. He's saying all the good things, all the accomplishments, all the accolades that I've ever gotten, everything, I count it as junk, as trash compared to the one thing, to knowing Jesus. Compared, he's saying everything is junk compared to the kingdom. Everything. Everything wonderful, everything good, everything beautiful, everything lovely is compared to, it's junk compared to the kingdom. Are you starting to see the perspective here? See what Jesus is trying to make us, help us understand? The kingdom of heaven, a relationship with Jesus is, is so valuable. Why wouldn't we be willing to give up everything and anything for it? It's important to note that this passage doesn't say that the man was looking for the treasure either, was he? Wasn't he? I mean, this guy was out. He wasn't plowing and digging going, man, I, man, I hope I think hit some treasure. He wasn't saying that. He wasn't looking for it. He wasn't out to find it. This guy was just going about his regular old life, doing his thing. And you know what the reality is? This is how some people discovered the kingdom of heaven. This might have happened to some of you. You're just going about your regular life. You're not, the people a lot of times are not searching for anything. They're not looking for, they're not, oh, I need to find meaning. I need to find purpose in life. That's not always happening. People aren't always looking, oh, I really want to learn more about God. As a matter of fact, a lot of people are pretty sure that they have everything under control, aren't they? Things are good. Things are all right. But what happens? Bam! God comes along. God comes along. He shows up in the midst of just going through the right. I don't know. I don't know if that happened to any of you. You were just going through your life, and all of a sudden, God just showed up. You weren't looking for him. You weren't looking for any change. Things were actually going pretty good, but then he shows up, and the life, your life trajectory is radically changed. I mean, think about this. Think about the Apostle Paul. Guy was going about his business, right? It was a pretty nasty business, what he was going about. He was looking to kill Christians. But he's, he wasn't looking for, I got I to gotta get my ego stroked anywhere. He, he had everything. He had everything he wanted. He was going about doing his business. And what happened? <laughs> Bam! God just showed up. He wasn't looking for him. As a matter of fact, Paul probably felt like, I know everything there is to know about God. I got this down. I was ahead of my class. Magna cum laude. I was the guy, spiritually. And yet he's the same guy that's saying, all that is junk compared to really knowing Jesus. 
Wow, that's huge. The point of this parable is that the kingdom of heaven, even though it may seem hidden, like we talked about last week, or even make it seem really inconsequential, like it's not having much of an impact out there. What he's saying is it's so valuable that upon discovery of it, surrendering everything in order to experience it is, way, is more than worth it once we see it. Do you ever, I want to ask you, do you ever feel that way? I know I was feeling that way as we were worshiping this morning. You ever felt that way about the kingdom of heaven, about knowing Jesus? I mean, is the idea of the reign and the rule of God in your heart and in every area of your life mean so much that you're willing to give up anything and everything in order to experience it? That's what this is about because it's so valuable. Now, unlike this guy that wasn't searching for anything, our next parable talks about a guy who actually was searching for something. Let's look at that. Look at verses 45 and 46. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, back in Jesus' day, pearls were really the most highly sought-after gems, like, like diamonds today, okay? Really, really sought after. Um, this guy I mentioned here, he was uh, probably like a wholesale merchant that traveled extensively looking for the best because he knew that's what everybody wanted. I mean, kings and queens would be covered with pearls. That's what they loved back then. So he's looking for the best, and then upon finding it, of finding one that he finds one that, oh, this guy knows his stuff. You know, he's, he's, the, di- he's you know, the diamond exchange, whatever that thing, the, uh, the commercial on there. This guy knows his stuff. And he finds one and goes, wow, this is the one. This is the pearl. And it says that he, that he sells all that he has in order to get, get it. He'll, he'll get rid of everything. Now, this merchant selling all that he had is meant to illustrate the value, once again, of the kingdom of heaven in relation to anything of anything else, any other things that priorities, everything that compares to it. Okay, that's what it's supposed to be conveying to us. You see that just as this guy was searching for the finest pearls, many of us, many people that don't know the Lord, but also I believe that many people that do say and do claim, and those of us that do claim to be followers of Jesus, are searching for something to bring meaning and purpose and happiness. I mean, some search for it in their career. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about followers of Jesus and not followers and those that aren't, both. So oftentimes we're looking for it in our career and achievement, yet more work and more achievement doesn't seem to fill that void. And for others, it's love, to love and to be loved. If I just find that person that will love me and that I can love back, that will do it. But that doesn't satisfy either, because as we all know, people inevitably fail us. It's just how it works. And still for others, it's the need for approval from others, this constant need, yet that relentless, many of us know this, that relentless pursuit of approval, instead of bringing that desired result, what does it do? It's kind of like a drug, right? We find that results, it's continue, we continue to need more and more approval. That wasn't enough. 
That's what he's saying here. That's what happens. We all do that so many times as Christians. The point is, as the kingdom of heaven, this reign and this rule of this perfect and loving God in our hearts and lives is of the highest value and worth. And to come to true understanding of it is to find true source of meaning, the true source of purpose, and the true source of happiness. Let me ask you another question. Do you ever find yourself, you know, in those times when you're just like reflecting, could be at three in the morning when you can't sleep, that's what happens to me, reflecting or just kind of getting a little bit introspective. My wife, she can tell, she can just see it. You're in that mode, aren't you? When I get that kind of that introspective thinking mode that I'm going, have you ever found yourself in that place and you're searching for something to bring a little bit more meaning, a little bit more purpose or happiness in your life? Well, you know what? The answer is that we are to focus. The answer is focusing on the realities that are found in the truths of the kingdom of, the, of heaven. In the truth of the good news that Jesus completely loves us, he completely accepts us, and that all our needs can ultimately be only, only met in him and him alone. Now, I know many of us have been walking with the Lord a long time. We know that truth in our head, but oftentimes we get to a place where we feel like it's just not quite enough. That's when the answer is to turn and think. Like Ian was saying during, the, during that worship time, just start to think. Sometimes we just need to stop and we need to just bathe ourselves in truth. Because you know what? The reality is the enemy is hammering us with lies all day. The moment we wake up our eyes, the lies, poof are shooting at us. I don't know about you, but I sure feel it. And the answer is focusing on that powerful, the powerful truths that are held within the, having a relationship with Jesus. What does that really mean in my life? How does that practically play out in my life? And soaking in those truths. So the point of these two parables we just looked at is the extreme value of the kingdom of heaven and the willingness of these people, these two people, to surrender anything and everything to experience. Now, now Jesus kind of takes a, a little twist here, a turn. He goes back now, to, like he did last week, to the subject of what's going to happen at the end of the age. Look at this next parable, verses 47 to 50. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come, come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ouch. Wow. Once again, some harsh, harsh words. Now, if you were here last week, then you should, this, this parable should sound a little bit familiar, at least the ending part. It sounds very much like the parable of the weeds, doesn't it? From verses 37 to 43, where Jesus said the kingdom of heaven, remember he said, it's like this farmer, he goes out and he sows these good seeds, but when he's asleep and his workers are asleep, some enemy comes along and sows some weeds in there. Remember, the, the workers say, hey, we got to do something about this. He's like, no, let's just leave it. Let it go. He chooses instead to, instead of trying to pull them out, let's let it grow together. And at the end, the reapers are going to come 
And when they come, they'll grab all the weeds and they'll throw them into the fire. Now, we saw last week that really this represented the evil that coexists right now in the world with the kingdom that God allows. He is allowing it to happen. Yet at the end of the age, Jesus is going to send his angels and they're going to gather all those that, all those that don't belong to him, okay? Those that, and all those that are doing evil. And he says, wow, he will throw them into the fiery furnace where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the second time we've heard this now. But remember, this is imagery. This is imagery. This is biblical imagery that he is using to speak of hell. It's really a picture. We don't know what hell is going to be like. I don't know. But really, this is biblical imagery that's talking about the torment and the sorrow that those who reject the message of the kingdom of heaven are going to experience. And however that's going to look, it sounds terrible. It sounds absolutely terrible. And this parable right here, that Jesus, and Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, though, is like a net. Okay? It's the kind of net he's talking about is a net that they would drag through the water until fish, they collect all these fish. We've heard of Dragnet, you know, the show Dragnet. Where's my cop? Is he in Sunday? Is he teaching with it? Is he over? Yeah, he's over teaching the kids right now. Yeah, the show Dragnet, you know, or Dragnet, that's a, co- that's a police term of, of doing all the things they need to do to gather up all the criminals. So that's what he's talking about here. It's a net that is dragged along, okay? And he says this net, in this parable, it rep- represents the message of the kingdom of heaven. It's this message of the gospel that's really, it's been dragged through, it's been cast out over a wide cross-section of people, okay? It's this open invitation to every tribe, to every tr- tongue, to every nation to enter into the kingdom, okay? So that's what the net represents. It's been going around, it's been collecting all sorts of different people. And what he's saying is within this net coexists all sorts of people. I mean, some of these people in this net are people that have received and accepted the message of the kingdom of heaven. You know, and some is, it's good people in there, it's going to be people that remain unconvinced or just say, no way, I don't want anything to do with that. And some, really, I believe there's going to be some that are going to be in that, if not a lot, that actually very much look like people that are in the kingdom, but actually are not. We talked about that weeks ago when we talked about posers. Remember that? We talked about that, that whole thing. I say, and, I, and that's why I say, I say to, I say look like, because there really are a lot of people out there that claim to be followers of Jesus that aren't. And I believe the reality, the bummer is there's plenty of people out there that have convinced even themselves or fooled themselves into believing, yeah, I am a follower of Jesus. I am experiencing the kingdom of heaven. When in fact, most at, at the very most going through the motions. And I'm not judging. That's just a harsh reality. I think if you, I go, I've been going to church for years. Heck, I was born into a Christian family. Heck, my dad's a pastor. Oh, that's a deadly one right there. Um, my kids will tell you that one. Um, but yeah, so of course, I got, this, I got this thing. And he's saying, be careful. And we talked a lot about that. You see, the focus of this parable, as with the parable of the weeds, is once again, what's going to happen? This is what's going to happen at the end of age. This is what the kingdom of heaven is going to look like when life on earth is done. When true followers of Jesus, those who have embraced the message of the kingdom, will be separated from the pretenders and the rejectors. 
That's what he's saying. This is going to happen. How it looks, I don't know, but it's going to happen. He's told us just twice in the same chapter here. Last week I mentioned, you know, we talked about this whole subject of judgment, and I mentioned that really this is far from popular of a topic to talk about judgment. You know, people think all fire and brimstone, and they think hate and all that, but really what we talked about, the fact that this whole idea of judgment is to be of encouragement, It's to be encouraging to those of us that follow Jesus because we know that there's going to be a time when all this is going to come to an end. We don't have to spend all our time getting rid of the evil in this world. First of all, we can't. Not possible. We do our part. We do our part to combat evil, but it's not our role to get rid of evil. God says it's going to coexist with the kingdom, but there's coming a time. Be encouraged. There's coming a time when it's going to be gone. I will take care of it. You don't have to worry about that, okay? It will be a time when all that brings evil and the suffering in the world will be brought to justice. But really, it's also for the unbeliever, for those that don't believe in Jesus, do not have it, want to have anything to do with this kingdom of heaven. Really, what it is, it's a gracious and loving warning, And it's an invitation to repent and to give their life to Jesus. It's not meant to be like this, see how much I hate you? No, it's meant, see how much I love you? Look what's coming. Don't let it happen to you. I love you. I want you. I don't want that to happen to you. So why does Jesus pretty much repeat the same thing twice? He already said this. And you're probably saying, Rob, you already said this too last week. Why is he saying basically the same thing but just with a little different story. Well, notice that this parable, the parable, the, the, the parable of the weeds, remember we talked about, it mentions the righteous, that the true followers, remember we talked about they're going to shine like the sun and the kingdom of their father. That's going to be wonderful. This parable hasn't mentioned that, does it? There is no mention of us in this part. There is just the fate of those who re- have rejected the kingdom of heaven. I believe that Jesus is repeating the same thing, the same message with a different story because he's trying to impress on his disciples and us the absolute inevitability of what is coming. It is coming. Impending judgment is coming. And he wants us in order to to learn this, to light a fire, pun intended, light a fire under us to do all that we can to make sure less people experience that fate. He's trying to get us to say, listen, it's coming, believer. You will escape that, but a lot of people won't. Go fishing, okay? That's what he's saying. Get out there. Go fishing. Don't worry. Don't be scared. Don't worry about what to say. You have a valuable and something that's worth so much, worth way more than any infomercial has ever said anything about. Go tell people about it. It's so valuable. And by the way, those that don't get, accept it, there's just horrible consequences. So go tell them. Go tell them constantly. Live it out. Do what you can. Live it out and share the love of Christ. Well, it's, it's, a, it's specifically addressing the disciples, this next one we're going to look at. I believe that Jesus, and that's why he goes on to tell this next one. He's talking to the disciple, and now he goes on to give this last one. Check this one out. He says, I, I think he's kind of segueing from that same thought, because he's specifically addressing now the disciples. Okay, now that you know this, here's what I want you to do. 
Now that you know all the stuff I've told you, here's what I want your life to look like. Now that you've learned this, look what it says, verses 51 and 52, the last one. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. (laughs) Yeah. He said to them, yes. And he said to them, okay. Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. Okay, what the heck are you talking about here, Jesus? What? First of all, you got to understand, he, you know, Jesus says, okay, do you guys understand this? And I'm sure the disciples are, yeah, oh, we totally get it. Yeah, right. They, I'm sure they, they got some, but you know, what this does, though, is this really shows that even though they obviously had a lot more to learn, the disciples were obviously grabbing and kind of on the road to understanding what the kingdom of heaven is like and, and how it works. So they were kind of on board. Okay? Then Jesus says, okay. Therefore, remember we always said, whenever you see a therefore, you ask what? What's that therefore? Therefore, he said, okay. Since you say you understand, here's what I want you to, here's what I want you to know. This is great. Here's how this should impact your life. Okay? Here's what I want you to do with this newfound understanding and this newfound information. So Jesus, well, here's what he does. So he compares them to a master of a house or this homeowner who has this storeroom full of treasure. I mean, think about your garage. Well, for some of you, that's not a good idea. Treasure. It's not treasure. But think about your garage or your attic or a storage unit that is full of treasured, wonderful belongings that you have, both new, both new stuff and also old stuff, Okay. And then he goes on to say that they are like scribes who were essentially experts. These guys were experts and authoritative teachers on the Jewish law. Okay? So he says, you're, these, you're a homeowner. You've got all this stuff stored. But you're like, say, so you're like this scribe. Yet in contrast to the scribes who had the, of his day who'd really become nothing more than legalistic professionals at spelling out the letter of the law while they completely ignored the spirit of the law. Jesus is telling his disciples, because you understand more now about the kingdom of heaven, he's telling this to us, because you are understanding some about this hidden treasure and the mystery of the kingdom of heaven, you are now responsible to live it out and teach the message of the kingdom of heaven as it's revealed in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Basically, what you've learned and what you keep learning every day in your quiet time as you spend time with the Lord, you go to Bible study and different things like that, he's saying live it out. Don't just, don't just say, okay, I got that. I acquired new knowledge. Ask constantly, how could I live that out? So often we don't do that when we read the Bible. So often we do, okay, I did my quiet time. I checked it off. I read, I read those scriptures. I read that thing. And forget to tell ourselves, okay, what does that mean for me? Lord, help me to understand how I can apply that to my life. I mean, they say that Americans are obese. I think Christians, as Christians, we are obese. We have so much biblical knowledge. We just slosh around with, I can quote verses, yet so often we neglect living it out, exercising, eating right, those kinds of things. We neglect the word. We've got a ton of it. Oh, okay, I just need to go to church more. (laughs) Just try living out what you know. That's what I keep telling myself. I feel like, gosh, if I could just live out what I already know, that would be amazing. 
That's what he's saying here. You've got a treasure trove of stuff. Start living it out. Go for it. The implications here is that as followers of Jesus, we are to first and foremost be practicing and applying what we already know. What we already know about living in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, what this really means for us as individuals and as a body to live to live under this complete reign and rule. What does that mean? What do, I want you to ask that question as you leave here today. What does it mean for me to truly live out to truly live out God's reign and His rule in my heart and my life? What does that mean for me? And be willing to say, I want that question to go into some deep crevices of my life everywhere. What does that mean for my finances? What does that mean for my relationships? What does that mean for the, the anger and the resentment that I'm harboring towards somebody else? What does it mean for sharing my faith and the fear that I have in doing that? What does it mean? Because it's going to mean something. God doesn't, we don't, the Holy Spirit doesn't reveal to us, stuff to us just so we can sit on it. He reveals us to act on it, and he gives us the strength and the power to do that, knowing that we're so finite. So what he's saying here, as the Holy Spirit continues to reveal new things to us, we need to be diligent to practice these things, to apply these things to our lives, and to share these things by the strength of the Holy Spirit with others. This, you guys, this is how we truly experience what the kingdom of heaven is all about. I think so often as Christians, we're not experiencing all that we could out of being a part of the kingdom of heaven because we're not applying the truths of the kingdom of heaven to our lives. I know that I live there. That negative self-talk, those lies that we believe about ourselves that are just what the enemy is just trying to throw at us that keep us down, keep us bummed, keep us depressed, keep us, the joy of the Lord is just not our strength. Not because we're bad people, we're bad Christians. We're just not doing what he's saying here. Take the treasure trove of what you already got, apply it to your life, live it out, and tell other people. And you know what? This whole thing, the kingdom of heaven, you're going to be pretty stoked about it even more. (laughs) The value of it in your mind is going to go, wow, it is amazing. I want to end. I want to encourage you as we end here. I want to encourage you this week. I want to encourage you to, to ponder, to consider, and to, to think through the extraordinary value of the kingdom of heaven, this reign and this rule of God in your heart and life. And, and really let the reality of that, let the reality of the value of God's kingdom challenge and encourage you to pursue a deeper relationship with the Lord because that's what he wants. He doesn't walk, don't want us walking around just behaving better. I was talking to a parent about that. We were talking about how it's so, as parents, we get caught up in the whole thing. It's we want to see transformed behavior so often without, with, by totally neglecting a transformed heart. You know, that's our, as long as they act good, as long as they, we learn, we shape them this way, but their heart is still black as ever. We get caught in that. That's not what God wants for us. God wants our heart transformed. And then let that, let that pour out. Let that change things. He's not judging. Remember when he was looking for a king, when they were looking for a king, I judge the man by in here, not by what they look like. Let it challenge you. Spend time in his word. Spend time praying. 
When you're praying, spend time praising him for who he is, thanking him for what he has done, confessing where you know that you have fallen short of living up to his holy standard by either what you have or haven't done. He wants to hear you. He wants, to, he wants you to talk to him about these things. And then he wants you to receive forgiveness. Receive the forgiveness as there. Ask him then to give you the strength and the wisdom to practice and apply what you know about the kingdom of heaven. This should be a prayer of every Christian every single day. God, give me the wisdom. Give me the strength to live out what I already know about you. And as you reveal more and more to me, help me to live out that. And then help me to share that with other people. Help me to apply that. Ask him to give us the strength and the courage to share this message of the kingdom of heaven. A kingdom that's so valuable, it's worth surrendering everything for. Let's pray. Father God, we're just so grateful for your word that encourages us and challenges us. And I know that for me, I've been really challenged this week and encouraged by your, the truth of the kingdom of heaven, the truth of what I am and who I am in you, the storehouse of treasure of the mysteries that you have revealed to me. And God, I confess that I have not allowed those truths to permeate me like they should. I've allowed the opposite to happen. So God, I confess that to you and ask God that you would give me the courage and us all the courage, the strength, the power to live out what you've already given us. Help us to see the value of the kingdom of heaven and be willing to surrender whatever it takes to experience it. We ask it all in your son's name.